Hey there, Ralph Garman here. Thanks so much for checking out this free edition of The Ralph Report. If you like what you hear, do me a favor. Subscribe to The Ralph Report so we can put some fun in your ears five days a week. And you can listen for as little as $3 a month. So subscribe today so you don't miss out on any of the fun. Go to patreon.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up. Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Well, hello there, boys and girls. Welcome back to The Bat Cave and The Ralph Report. We're doing a brand new show for you today on this Wednesday, July 29th, year of our Lord Sheesmoo 2020. Oh, hell, Sheesmoo. It is right to give him thanks and praise. I am your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman, and sitting here in The Bat Cave with me is... The vice host himself, please make him feel warm and welcome. I think he's a little down today. Whoa. He's been looking at the news. Don't look at the I news. can't help it. Bad things will happen to I you know. when you look at the news. He is the vice host himself, Mr. Eddie Pence. Hey, everybody. Yo, ho, Eddie. Got a hell of a show lined up for you today, kids. A show so good. It's even going to cheer up Eddie Pence. Really? Yeah, really? yeah. Oh, right. You're going to be That's a tall order. You're going to be giggling and chuckling by the end. <laughs> you're going to have leakage. This show is so jam-packed full of goodness. It's going to be leaking out of your orifices. Mm, that's pleasant. Your orify. Orifies. Your holes. Coming out of your holes. <laughs> My airtight holes. Let's put that on the Water ad. Watertight holes. Put that on the ad for the podcast. A show so good, it's going to come out of your holes. We got a hell of a show. That'll get us up to 7,000 or whatever. That's right. That'll that'll put us over to 5,700. We're like, I don't know. As of this recording, I think we're like six away or something. Come on, people. Shake the bushes. We're coming up at the end of July here. Let's let's get it over uh, 5,700 by August. Uh, Hell of a show lined up for you today, kids. Because on the counter, you want to know why? Well, it's Wednesday. And Wednesdays are always fun because our pal Steve Ashton stops by. Every Wednesday and Friday with a UK update. And today's no different. Brand new Steve Ashton for your ear holes. Nice. Also, on Wednesdays, we take a look at a smash hit song and the artist that recorded it that was never quite able to capture that level of success again. Today's one-hit wonder may be the most one-hit wondery of them all. Really? Yes. And I mean that in the find that. I mean that in the sense that it was a smash hit single. Mm-hmm. The band only lasted about three years. And there's like a great whatever happened to story at the end of it. Okay. So it's like the movie, (laughs) That Thing You Do. We're going to talk about their meteoric rise to success, their brush with greatness. And then uh, after the band broke up, what everybody went off to do and stuff. So that'll be fun. We got entertainment news. We got your phone calls. Boy, we got a lot of show today. But before we get into that... How great was it to see some hockey yesterday? Some nice. professional NHL it was hockey nice. <laughs> on television. It was nice, especially since Ma- Major League Baseball is absolutely falling apart after four days. Yeah, well, they're all coming down with yeah, the vid. That's so. why. But uh, as far as we know, the uh, hockey players being the rough and tumble bunch that they are, I think COVID-19 is afraid <laughs> it could be. to be inside the bodies of those uh, hale and hearty hockey players. Well, they also did a bubble, much like the NBA, unlike Major League Baseball and what the NFL is not doing. So I'm afraid that our beloved NFL season is going to follow the same fate as this Major League Baseball I season. I hear you, brother. The fact that uh, Roger Goodell, commissioner of the NFL, has already canceled all preseason yeah. games. So we're just going to go cold right into and it. And your speedster wide receiver took the year off. Good yeah. one. 
So it's it's going to be bad, man. It's it's going to be a sloppy first couple of weeks yeah. if we get football at all. But uh, they did uh, have an exhibition game yesterday. I'm trying to remember who was uh, who was playing yesterday. I know it was the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. Eddie Pence, any uh, do you remember who the Penguins were playing in that exhibition game? Uh, they're the ones with the, they have the crackhead looking mascot, the, right? the beloved mascot, the that, Gritty. The, mm-hmm. The one that is the most popular mascot in the league. What's the name of the team? What's the city, however, that that team comes from? Any Why? Philadelphia. Oh, that's play right. The fucking song. Huh? Damn it. Uh huh. Uh. Yeah. Yes, I do. A dramatic overtime victory against the, our dreaded rivals, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. We always win the games that don't count. Those are the ones we always rise to the occasion for. Flyers are good at those games. But it was fun to watch uh, some hockey. I, I got to say, I know a lot of people aren't a fan. I love the overtime. I love the three-on-three overtime. I think it's exciting. So cool. It's exciting. If they played all of hockey three-on-three, yeah. well, first of all, the guys would die. <laughs> you would go through people. <laughs> the, the shifts would be about 18 seconds. <laughs> but it's so nice to see all that wide open ice and those yeah. long passes. It's exciting. And the uh, the, the 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 goal that Scott Lawton uh, scored on to to win it in overtime is just one of those long reaching stretching oh. passes went all the way down. I the love ice. hockey. Anyways, good to uh, see more this week as they uh, try to figure out the um no the seeds for yeah, the uh, do for the playoffs how they're going to do it. So we got some round robin stuff coming up, and then uh, August first. We start proper. So. It'll be exciting. It'll be something. It'll be a distraction anyway. Very odd, though, to see the uh, stadium empty, though. Yeah. It was weird. And you can really hear it. Yeah. More so than before. It sounded like it's a almost practice. Like, it, it almost sounds like almost being at a game. Yeah, a bit, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Because you can hear the puck and the skates and the ice. Anyway, it was cool. It was cool to have uh, some some semblance of normalcy back with a uh, little hockey. Made me feel a little bit more connected to the world. Yeah. Watching yesterday. Uh, speaking of... Uh, COVID-19. From time to time here on the show, we talk about stories surrounding this pandemic. And I know many of you are tired of hearing about it and talking about it. It's not why you come to this show. We understand that. But the stories that we do, hopefully we got a different twist on them, or perhaps it's a story that you haven't heard about. So we have a, a semi-regular segment called Coronavirus. However, we have changed the name of that because uh, one of our beloved Garmin members, Mo, her dog flips out every time we play the jingle. So we have to give her a heads up. So we've taken to calling this segment, Mo, grab your dog. So in today's Mo, grab your dog, thanks to uh, Paul Branchot, who sent in this story. I, you must have heard about this, Eddie. You may have even covered it in one of your 14 <laughs> other podcasts that you're on. <laughs> I know you do one that specializes in the world of sports. I do. But did you do the story about Kansas City Chiefs player, Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Uh, I don't believe we did. He is my dude. This guy is so impressive. If you are a Kansas City Chiefs fan, you probably know Laurent Duvernay Tardif. He is a starting right guard for the Kansas City Chiefs, and he is sitting out this year. He will not be playing. Yeah, he's one of the guys that called out. Not because he's afraid of COVID-19, but because besides being a professional football player, he's also a doctor. And he is a doctor there in his home city of Montreal. And he has opted out of playing for the Chiefs this season because 
he is concerned that he might expose his patients to COVID-19 if he's amongst people and they're not as buttoned down, just like we were talking about, as uh, they're supposed to be and when they go in to play these games. Yeah, and Canada's kind of walled themselves off from us. They won't even let the Blue Jays play in Toronto this season, as far as Major League Baseball goes. Yeah. They don't want anything to do with us. I I can't blame them. No. They've done the work to get their levels down to a manageable uh, amount, and they don't want to do anything to screw that up. I can't blame them. Anyway, let me tell you about uh, Loren. He is quite the young man, 29 years old, has played for the Kansas City Chiefs for the past six seasons. During some of those, he was a medical student, and he would study for his exams on the team plane back and forth from the games. That's committed. Then he became a doctor, and he would doctor during the offseason and play football during the season. So he said he always knew eventually it would have to come down to a choice between his love for medicine and his love for football. And this is the year he has decided that as much as he loves playing football, he realizes that he's going to have to make a choice here. And he has chosen to serve his patients. Now, he's been doing frontline work at a long-term care facility. Yeah. And so he said they need him there and he can't see possibly taking the time off to go back and play football. And he was a starter, too. This guy was no scrub. He wasn't sitting on the bench. He was actually on there. Who knows what he was making after six years with the Chiefs? I can imagine it was a nice piece of change. Well, I know the NFL, Roger Goodell, said that any player that opts out of the NFL season, this is the only league that's doing that this year, is players that opt out. uh, They get $300,000, I think, is like a base salary sort of thing if you opt out of your season. No other league's doing that. Well, the whole team, by the way, has been great about his choice. Even Coach Andy Reid said, look, we know who this guy is and what an amazing human being he is, and he's going to make a great doctor, and we are, we're standing behind him and yeah. we support his decision. So, But I just thought it was so cool in this world where we live in people just going for the easy cash grab and some of these players who uh, hold out for more money and they don't care about their team or other people yeah. – You've got an example of a 29-year-old guy who is choosing to do the thing he thinks is best for others, not necessarily for himself. He's uh, really following that with the Hippocratic Oath, the uh, yeah, do no harm. Exactly. Yeah. So he's uh, he's opting out on care uh, on behalf of the care of his uh, patients. And he said, I cannot, I cannot allow myself to potentially transmit the virus in our communities simply to play the sport that I love. If I am to take risks, I will do it caring for patients. So that's good. That's pretty impressive. That's admirable. So I wanted to get his story out there because you see so much bad news about this thing. Here's some guy who's making the right choice for the right reasons and figures he's Canadian. (laughs) God damn it, Canada. (laughs) We salute you yet again on this edition of Mo Grab Your Dog. All righty, let's take a look at you, the Garmy. We love it when you reach out to us, especially when you leave your voicemail messages on the Ralph Report hotline. It is there for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Anytime you have a thought or a feeling or a question or a comment, just pick up the phone, dial us up at one 833 Somebody requested that. Yeah, someone asked me if I could do an Aaron Neville Aaron Neville version of the High Ralph high pitch squeal. So there, there you go. You got it. It's a one eight three three High Ralph. Dial it up. Leave your call. I listen to them all, and then what I do is I pick a handful of them and we put them here at the top of the show in a segment called Garmy on the line. The telephone is ringing. The Garmy's on the line. 
Yesterday, I took a little bit of a shot at Post Malone. Yeah. He was uh, trying desperately to get his professional beer pong league up and running. Right. And I, I slapped him around a little bit. A little saying, bit. A little bit. Really, in this day and age, with everything we got going on, this is where you spend your time and your money and your energies? Yeah. Well, some several Post Malone fans got got in touch with me uh-huh. and reached out and gave me sort of a tutorial on what this guy has been doing beyond this. Oh, He's been doing a lot. And turns out he's been doing, he's been doing a, lot. a lot. And it hasn't been on my radar. And uh, I got a little egg on my face. <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed now for having taken a shot of all people in show business who are fucking around. Maybe I should have left him alone. We got a call from Jaron here. Hey, Ralph. Jaron here down in uh, Utah with regards to your Post Malone Beer Pong League. Uh, he actually held a concert, a live stream concert on YouTube in April and raised over $7 million for the World Health Organization. And, uh, so I think he deserves the right to go fuck off a little bit with beer pong. Love you. You know, bye. You're not wrong, sir. Besides that, he's also done several other fundraising, uh, efforts and he's raised a ton of money for people in need during this coronavirus and for, uh, the World Health Organization and other great charities and causes. And yeah. so perhaps. He is entitled to be to be a little goofy and go off and play some beer. Pong. He's also bringing Crocs back, so don't forget that. <laughs> now you see, see now it's hard. It's now, hard to really appreciate what he's doing. Now you are, but you're fighting against Mister Malone. There's there's a yin and a yang here. Yeah, I the, I think in this case though, however, <laughs> Ralph is wrong. So uh, I apologize to Post Malone, and I'm sure he's a subscriber and listens oh, to the show. So. This will uh, this will make him feel better because I don't want to beef. No, I don't want to be beefing. Don't beef with Post Malone because we family. I don't want to beef. <laughs> Eddie Pence. We were talking the other day about the transatlantic telegraph cable. It was the cable that was laid via ship across yes. the Atlantic Ocean mm-hmm. from Ireland to Newfoundland, I believe. And this was the ability for us uh, moving forward to to get a message across the ocean in mere minutes as opposed to the 10 days it would take it via ship. And you seemed a little perplexed by how they would do that. Well, I just want to know where the wire lay. Just like cable just laying in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, is it suspended in the middle of the water or is it all the way down to the floor bed? Well, luckily for us, the Garmy's pretty smart and Tobin called in to give us a little bit of a lesson, not only about that cable, but all transatlantic cables. Ralph, Eddie, hey, Tobin from Redondo, was uh, listening to you guys talk yesterday about the transatlantic telegraph cable. Um, it's exactly how the Internet is connected to the World Wide Web today. There are a couple hundred, I think maybe 180 or so, um, cables that run literally on the bottom of the ocean floors between all the different uh, continents and uh, land masses. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, reading some, some material, you know, sometimes they have to lay cable as deep as Mount Everest is tall. Wow. Jeez. That's how that's how deep some parts of the oceans are that they've got to lay the cable across. Um, in fact, I think a couple months ago, I, there was a little bit of news about um, the Russians are messing around in the North Atlantic. Uh, we mm. think with a uh, super submersible sub that can go deeper than any before and that they're actually might try to cut uh, some of the some of the internet cables mm. up there, you know, in, in the event that there's any kind of first strike or anything. Anyways, yeah, it's, uh, 
It's exactly how the internet works today. Just cables along the ocean floor. Love you. Mean it. Bye. Cables did lay on the ocean hmm. floor, Eddie Pence, it Let's, turns I'm, out. I'm now worried about these Russians trying right? to cut our internet. Damn Ruskies. God damn it. Just meddling in our affairs yet again. I don't like these guys. Trust me. If they cut our internet, the, America will finally have a reason <laughs> to call them out. <laughs> right. You know, putting bounties on American soldiers. No. Whatever. Uh-uh. But if you, if I can't play Candy Crush... <laughs> Then shit's going to go south. If America can't get its Pornhub, it's going right? to be pissed off. Finally, we'll be able to unite behind one common cause. Just those damn Russians Ugh. cutting our cable. I won't have it. No. How are they going to get the Ralph report? Right? We have a lot of European listeners. Oh, my God. It didn't even dawn on yeah. me. How could I be so unselfish as to think about anything else other than how this would affect me? <laughs> what was I thinking? Candy Crush and porn. Oh, that's it. That's I'm, I'm taking on the Ruskies. <laughs> it's full on Red Dawn from here oh. on out. Wolverines! <laughs> Ernesto called in. He had a question. Uh, we were talking about, remember the uh, giant locust, not locust, the grasshopper swarm oh, yeah, it was awful. that took out the middle of America in the that. 1930s? I, I still think about that. Yeah, I remember. You had a you had an adverse reaction that to that awful. story. Ernesto caught that reaction and had a question about it. Hey, Ralph. Hey, Yoho, Eddie. Uh, this is Ernesto, three-star general in L.A. And I had a question for you for where did it come from? Uh, this is in, for the, um, uh, in reference to something that Eddie actually said. Um, she, we, the, you guys were talking about the grasshoppers uh, that that blocked out the sun, and he actually said something that I had. I was curious as far as where that came from. He said that uh, it's giving him the willies, and uh, why do we reference it as the willies when you actually have that weird feeling? Uh, if you could help us out on that, I'm sure other people are curious about it. I would appreciate it. Love you. Mean it. Bye. No problem, Ernesto. Why does Eddie Pence get the willies? <laughs> Why are they called the willies? I mean, Eddie loves a good willy. Oh, who doesn't? But but with that creepy, uncomfortable feeling known as the willies? Why do we call it that? Where does it come from? Where did it come from? Where did it go? Where did it come from? We want to know. Where did it come from? Say it ain't so. Where did it come from? I'll fucking build where do the willies come from? Well, there are two stories that seem to be most accepted. No one has a definitive answer, but these are the two people go to the most. Okay. I'll give you both, and then you can make your final choice. At some point, historians point to productions of a ballet called Giselle, which first debuted in Paris in the 1840s, and shortly thereafter, this phrase became used mm -hmm. so they think maybe it has something to do with it the basic story of giselle is a young heroine who falls in love with a man pretending to be someone else in reality he's a scoundrel eddie Ooh. who's already engaged to another woman uh -oh. when she finds out during a very passionate dance scene she dies of a broken heart really yes and joins the queen of the willies the Willies are a group of female spirits who have also been scorned, and together these ghosts, collectively known as the Willies, ooh, seek vengeance upon men they encounter in the haunted woods by dancing them to death. Oh my god, this is horrifying. Right? <laughs> Just seeing the Willies appear as apparitions on stage is enough to give viewers a little fright, a little shiver down their spine, hence the phrase, the Willies. Ooh. 
All those scorned women ghosts floating women around? Women ghosts who are cheesed off at Ooh. men, killing other guys by dancing them to death. Even if the guy didn't do anything, he just wanders into the woods? Well, it depends, he I'm sure. He gets danced to death? I'm sure the willies aren't all willy-nilly. I don't... They're not willy-nilly willies. <laughs> just willy-nilly? <laughs> They're just willies. They're not all willy-nilly. Oh, man. So um, that's one common accepted source for the origin of the willies. Okay. Another one is the, the American frontiersmen would wear long woolen underwear during the winter months, mm -hmm. and these undergarments were referred to as their woolies, but they were often scratchy and irritating to the skin, and so that also may be why we associate a, like a jittery, prickly, goosebumply feeling with the woolies, and then over time it got mispronounced the into the willies. Mm. But I choose to believe it's because of ghost dancers. Those pissed off women ghosts. I think it's cooler. Oof. Oh, no, the willies are after me. <laughs> Don't go in the forest. Uh, John called in with a suggestion for a Munchin' Monday. And really? Yeah, we've been thinking about what we're going to do on Monday, and this may be the way to go. We might go have to revert back to an old school taste test. Oh. Hey, Ralph and Eddie, Big John, Vegan Giant, Three Star San Diego. Hey, you guys were talking about uh, dark chocolate and stuff. I think it would be a great challenge if you guys were, because you had that aversion to rose-flavored stuff. Oof. It's kind of adjacent. Um, they have that dark chocolate with lavender in it. Mm. It's so, I can't. It's like eating chocolate soap. Oh. Um, and they, they sell it all the time. People are buying it all the time. I don't understand. Um, I actually, Ralph, you like stuff with ginger, they yeah. have the dark chocolate bar with little chunks of candied ginger. Mm. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, anyway. Okay, guys. Anyway. Maybe we need to get some various samples of different flavored dark chocolates because we talked about chocolate and pepper yeah. being oh, one of them. No. So let's let's load up on a chocolate and pepper bar and a chocolate and vanilla bar, uh, lavender bar and a chocolate and ginger bar, and we'll go through a little taste test and see which ones we can we give our approval to. They have that chocolate bacon bar, too. There you go. That's good. There's an endless list of combinations of uh, seemingly chocolates. inappropriate ingredients <laughs> to put into a dark chocolate bar that we can come up with. I'm all for that. See which one we sign off yeah. on. So, you don't yeah. have to cook. I don't want to have to make anything from scratch unless I have to fucking Willy Wonka it here <laughs> in the house and come up with chocolate bars because I can't find them anywhere. Monday. <laughs> I, who has that kind of shit? Trader Joe's? They usually carry usually all kinds they, of funky chocolates and stuff, yeah. right? I can run by there and take a look. Oh, boy. I don't know if I can ask you to do that on behalf of the show. You oh, might, I can do that. You might run up against the Karen, there could who's be a Karen yelling there. at you for wearing a mask, and oh. next thing you know, that one that went you're viral. spraying somebody. <laughs> that one Karen that went viral at the Trader Joe's, that Trader Joe's is literally like four miles from here. Oh, really? Yeah, it's that new one they put down on Victory Boulevard. Oh, that's so That's funny. the one that went viral. Yeah, that was spectacular. Yeah. Did you see the couple in the uh, Nazi uh, masks? Oh, that, that, at the Walmart. At the Walmart? Yes. Yeah. Some good people out <laughs> that there. That was cute. They're just adorable. <laughs> Yeesh. All right. And uh, we have been trying to give you a little boost every show, especially if you listen in the morning. A little pick-me-up. A little musical heroin, if mm. you will. No, heroin puts you to sleep. A little musical cocaine <laughs> to get you sort of pumped up and get you ready for your day. Instead of sad songs like we've been doing previously, now we're doing happy hits mm. to give you a little jolt at the beginning of the show, and Alex called in with certainly one of my favorites. Hey, Ralph. Yoho, Eddie. This is Alex from Huntington Beach, One Star General. Just thought I'd call to give you my song that always puts me in a good mood. Um, heard it on the radio today. Thought I'd, uh, you know, let you guys know. Um, Jump by Van Halen. 
every time I hear that song it makes me want to get up and just go crazy and always puts me in a good mood. Uh, yeah. So love you. Mean it. Bye. Alex, you're not wrong. How can you be in a bad mood when you hear this? You can't. And it's just the, the even the opening chord, yeah. that electric piano, just, well, don't take my word for it. Here you go. so good little diamond dave yeah almost makes you forget he did a solo album yeah almost makes up <laughs> almost makes makes up for just a gigolo just a gigolo california girls oh, well, that wasn't so bad the california girls just a gigolo bad. was bad though just a gigolo and everywhere i go and then he scats at the end <laughs> so bad <laughs> thank you alex you're right that song will definitely get your blood pumping in the morning we appreciate it we appreciate everybody who called in today by the way you too can be featured on this segment but you know what you got to do you got to call me He was in a recording studio and music engineers were standing there going, oh, that's good. That's a good take. Yeah, let's keep that one. You don't get it, man. It's Diamond Dave. Oh. Hey there, it's Ralph Garman here. I hope you're enjoying the show. And if you are, why not subscribe to The Ralph Report so you can hear it every day, Monday through Friday? For just 15 cents a day, you can be a one-star general supporter, and that will get you the show in your ear holes Monday through Friday. Of course, there are two, three, and four-star general levels as well, which gets you more bonus content and more access to me. So if you like what you're hearing, why not subscribe? Go to patreon.com slash The Ralph Report. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash The Ralph Report. Subscribe today so you don't miss a thing. Uh, now it is time for us to take a look at deaths in history. People who passed away on this day on July 29th that left behind impressive legacies that we pay homage to, if you will, in a segment called Hello, Death. Sooner or 
or later we'll all meet our maker but today while we're still above ground there's plenty to learn about the folks in the urn so ralph's gonna break it down hello death hello death on this day july 29th in the year 1030 1030 Mm. And you know I'm all about Norway these days because yeah. I've been watching Norsemen. Huge Norway guy. Oh, I'm all about Norway. I, I need to go to Norway. I look at that, those expansive green mountains and the beautiful water, and I'm like, oh, I just want to be in Norway. So as attached as I am to Norway right now, on this day in 1030, King Olaf of Norway died in battle. Ooh. The Battle of Stiklestad passed away on this day in 1030. 30, King Olaf of Norway. Then in 1164, King Olaf of Norway died also. Two King Olafs. Well, that's what made me think, how many goddamn King Olafs have they had in Norway? <laughs> so I did a little quick research. Turns out Norway has had six King Olafs. Was it like Thor? Whoever gets the hammer is called Thor? <laughs> I don't believe so. I just think a lot of fuckers are named Olaf in Norway. And you'll be happy to know Denmark has had uh, four King Olafs and Sweden has had three King Olafs. Wow. So I'm thinking, is Olaf the most royal name in, in the history of mankind? <laughs> it might be, right? More than Edward? We do or? a little addition, six, ten, thirteen different kings all named Olaf. That's a lot of Olafs. A lot of royalty. I think maybe uh, Henry, Richard. I can't think of anybody has got 13. Not that many, no. Not that many. <laughs> A lot of Olafs. Uh, on this day in 1833, William Wilberforce, that's a name. Wow. English abolitionist passed away at the age of 73. He was uh, front and center in the English abolitionist movement trying to get England to stop signing off on slavery, not only in their own country, but especially abroad, because that's what they would do. They would go out there and conquer the world and then use the indigenous peoples as slaves. Yeah. So he was against that. Can you imagine that the how what a tough undertaking that would be to be an uh, an abolitionist like to stand up against to stand up against that because that's how the entire world economy was based almost right. on yes. the backs of slaves you are literally going against the entire flow of humankind at that moment yeah. to stand up and say this is morally wrong and we need to change our behavior i mean that's an impressive fight to start waging another right uh, another abolitionist died on this day in 1857 a scottish scientific teacher abolitionist and writer named thomas dick so usually we say, don't be a dick, yeah. but in this particular case, be a dick. Be, a dick. Yeah. be more like dick. <laughs> On this day in 18, excuse me, 1918, Ernest William Christmas passed away. Aww. Ernie Christmas was Ernie his Christmas. name. That's a cool name. He is a famous Australian painter known primarily for his landscapes, started his work in Australia, but later on did uh, landscapes in places as far flung as Europe and South America, and then finally settled in Hawaii. And that's where he ended up passing away on this day in 1918. That's a good place to die, I yeah. think, Hawaii. It's not Norway, don't get me wrong, no. but still, it's a good place. On this day in 1960, Richard Simon passed away. He was the co-founder of a little company called Simon & Schuster. I've heard of them. Book publishing empire, yeah. Simon & Schuster. And here's, here's his story. And this, if nothing else, should be impetus for you not to give up on your dreams and keep fighting, kids. He was a piano player. Served in World War I. Okay. When he got back, he started his career as a sugar salesman. Mm -hmm. Then, because he was a piano player, he started as a piano salesperson. While selling pianos, he met another guy named Max Schuster. 
And together, they decided they wanted to get into the book business. So they pooled their money, which was $8,000, and they published their first book, which was a book of crossword puzzles in 1924. And it was on that book that they built their publishing empire. Now one of the biggest publishing companies in the world. crossword puzzle book. Simon & Schuster. From one single book. From the little acorn, the mighty oak did grow. Well, that seems like a that seems like a safe bet. A crosswood puzzle book. Like, yeah, I think. And well, they said this guy was really good about knowing audiences, yeah, and marketing and merchandising and promotion and advertising, and that was his strength when it came to being a publisher. Is he knew how to sell books? He wanted something to sell broadly, as opposed to somebody's novel or something. Very yeah. much so. He had a plaque in the office that the offices there at Simon and Schuster that read it was a bra- brass plaque that read, "Give the reader a break." And it was to remind every editor who worked in those offices to make things as easy and as clear for the reader as possible, because that's how you were going to sell the yeah. most books. He wasn't wrong. His daughter, by the way, Carly Simon. Is it? Popular singer. Yes. Didn't know that. She's uh, she's a, 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 a daughter of wealth. That's crazy. Very much so. Speaking of singers, in 1974, Mama Cass Elliot passed away. She, of course, was a member of the Mamas and the Papas before she left them and had a very successful solo career in the 70s as well. Passed away at the age of 32 in mm-hmm. London. Uh, the rumor was always that she choked on a ham sandwich, ham sandwich yes. but that is not, in fact, true. She had a heart attack. That's oh, really? Yeah, happened to be a ham sandwich nearby. It, exactly. There was one on a plate next to her bed when they found her dead. And so, uh, well, that's not a place to eat a ham sandwich. Well, th- she wasn't eating it, Eddie. It, it was still just shouldn't be by your bed. If you're in a hotel room. Was she okay? Well, if you're in a hotel you order room. up your room service. Okay. What are you going to do? You're going to hide in the closet? Where are you putting your fucking sandwiches? I don't know sandwiches? if I'm putting it over by the bed. You put it on the sandwich next to the next. Or to you the just sit over bed. by the desk. There's a table. Why can't your bed be by the sandwich? What sandwich the deal? is like one of the few foods you don't want to eat in bed because there's just crumbs everywhere. Well, I would think crackers would be crackers first on the is list. probably top if of the list. We're playing Family Feud, and this was the big money round. Survey, I th- survey says. Crackers, ding, oh, yeah. number one answer. Top, but I'm saying, and if there's a top five answers on the board, I would say sandwich is somewhere in the top five. Well. That's something you don't want to eat in bed. Regardless, sandwich had nothing to do with her death. <laughs> it was a heart attack. Okay. Here's a little bit of the great late Mama Cass, one of the great voices in uh, rock from the 60s. You got a There was a very distasteful joke going around when uh, Karen Carpenter died of anorexia nervosa. Yes, I remember that. That they said if Mama Cass had just shared her ham sandwich with Karen Carpenter, right. she would have saved two lives. Yeah. Yeah. That's not cool. It's very uncool. No. And especially since she didn't die from choking on a right. ham sandwich. And, sh- and the anorexic would have eaten the ham sandwich. No, it anyway. has nothing to do with it. It was very distasteful. Yeah. And I'm frankly shocked and appalled that you brought it up. I Eddie. didn't bring it up. I, 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 don't, I, like, I don't like you. I don't like the exact wording of it as if you said all. it several times. I just remember that being a thing at one time. 1975, author James Blish passed away at the age of 54. Mm-hmm. He was the guy commissioned by Bantam Books back in the day to adapt episodes of Star Trek into uh, paperback books and sold millions. Really? Yes. When you were coming up in the 70s, that was required reading. If you were a geek or a nerd, you had to read the uh, adapted Star Trek books. That was just a little bit before my reading time. Yeah, and there wasn't, but there wasn't much out there. That was like, it was one of the few things you could get your hands on that was like additional Star Trek stuff. So we're all very excited. 1976, Mickey Cohen passed away, legendary American gangster. Worked for the uh, Cohen crime family. Also worked under Bugsy Siegel here in Los Angeles. He was a boxer turned enforcer for the mob. 
passed away at the age of 62. Uh, in 1979, Bill Todman passed away. He was a television producer who worked with his partner, Mark Goodson. And as you've heard uh, John Cooperman himself say on this show, a uh, Bill Todman, Mark Goodson production, they were the kings of the game show. Here's some of the shows they created. Beat the Clock, Card Sharks, Family Feud, Match Game, Password, Tattletales, The Price is Right, To Tell the Truth, What's My Line, all done by those guys. Impressive. That's a body of work right there. Speaking of television, 1982, Vladimir K. Zworkin, Passed away. Russian-American inventor passed away at the age of 94. Let's see what he invented. Oh, nothing. Just television. That's all. Really? That guy? Just the cathode ray tube. Oh, wow. The reason we were able to watch television back in the good old days. He came up with it. Also did some work on the electron microscope, by the way. Guy knew what he was doing. Guy knew some shit. Smart guy. 1982, Harold Sakata passed away. Sakata. Yes. I know that name. American what? actor. You may know him as uh, Odd Job from Goldfinger, the James okay. Bond film. Yes, yes, yes. And I believe he got into wrestling later on in his career, didn't he? Did he? he Maybe I'm have. thinking of Mr. Fuji. Maybe. Uh, I remember it was a big. Oh, Mr. Early... Fuji. Yeah, he wasn't. That, that's not the same guy. Um, but I think Harold Sakata did some he wrestling might have. as well. He might have. I just remember him as uh, as uh, that bo- the bowler wearing yeah. bad guy in Goldfinger. Right, you throw the bowler and break right. your neck. And in Austin Powers, they had a guy throw a shoe. That's right. Yes, <laughs> and I remember Harold Sakata's line in Goldfinger: "Ah ah." <laughs> That's all he says because <laughs> he's supposed to be a, a, a mute. Right, but can a mute even make that noise? I think so. Uh, uh. I thought a mute couldn't make any noise. I think you can't speak, perhaps, if you're a mute, but you, you can make you noise. May, perhaps you can make some noises. Hmm. Okay. You're going to hold him now, too? No, can't... I just didn't. I mean, maybe he was lying. Maybe that's how he got recognized. <laughs> that's how he got the gig. He told people he was a mute. Or he, he wrote, he told he wrote people, down. That he, he told mute. people he was a mute. <laughs> that's what you just said. <laughs> yep. Odd job told. <laughs> spread the word no, told mute, everybody guys. he was a mute i'm a mute mr goldfinger i would really like to be your henchman and i want you to know you don't have to worry about me spilling anything to james bond because i i'm mute and so i won't i won't be saying anything uh, oh my god ah uh, ah uh. see <laughs> see how mute i am <laughs> on this day in 1983 david niven passed away speaking of james bonds he played james bond oh he did in a movie called casino royale oh, yeah. back in the 60s it was a wacky sort of james bond spoof and he played james bond in that but he's best known probably for around the world in 80 days and uh the pink panther so many great films passed away in switzerland of als lou gehrig's disease at the age of 73 uh, for those of you who don't know his acting work, you may be familiar with his most famous television appearance on the Oscars ceremony in 1974. He had the unfortunate luck of being the guy on stage when a streaker oh, yeah. came out on stage at the Oscars and ran <laughs> nude across the stage, flashing the peace sign, while David Niven is trying to introduce Elizabeth Taylor to give out the best picture of the year oh, award. I remember that. The place went nuts, and Niven, God bless him, was able to gather his thoughts enough to come up with a great, great one-liner. Fascinating to think that that probably the only laugh that man will ever get in his life is by stripping off and showing his shortcomings. (laughs) It's pretty clever with that kind of pressure on him at the same time. That's pretty good. Also on this day in 1983, Luis Buñuel, legendary avant-garde filmmaking director, died at the age of 83. 
most famous probably for his very first film made in the silent era called Un Chien Andalou, which um, means basically the Andalusian dog. And it's got that legendary image in it of a woman's eye being held open and a straight shaving razor yeah. being brought across yeah. her eyeball. Yeah. In most film programs, it is almost mandatory viewing. You need to watch that film yeah. because it's so shocking. And it was made in 1927 or yeah. something. It's mm. crazy. Mm. Still so powerful in terms of his imagery. It's nuts. It makes no sense. But it's uh, he was an avant-garde filmmaker yeah. and certainly, yeah. Uh, Oof. Yeah. Does that give you the willies right there? Yeah, it did give me the willies. In 1998, Jerome Robbins, legendary American choreographer on uh, such films as West Side Story and others, passed away at the age in se at 79. And 2001, Wow Holland, father of the German computer hacker movement, passed away. He was a computer security analyst who co-founded the Chaos Computer Club, the CCC, one of the world's oldest hacking organizations. Hmm. It was almost religion for this guy. He believed that no one should be able to own information, that it all should be available and open. And right. That's why he spent a lot of his time hacking into corporate computers and other places of safeguards of information so he could keep it free to, to the right. world. That's a weird, I don't know. That's, it's, it's a topic you could debate. Delia, he said time. governments and organizations. Keeping information to themselves is akin to the Christian church in the Middle Ages and not, not allowing people to learn the, the truth. Yeah, I, it's weird. Do you, do you have a better society if you do have completely open information to everybody? I don't think so. I don't know. Because there's so many bad people out there who would use that information for ill-gotten right. gains yeah. that I think you have to maintain a certain sense of... of I would think... Of, confidentiality Secure, security. Yeah, security to information not all information because information should... is currency yeah you know and it's like would do, do is banks should you have banks or should you just leave your money out there in a wheelbarrow in your front lawn <laughs> right. and just hope just, that no one takes it from I you i don't it's weird it's a, it's a debate you could have for a long time interesting question and on this day in 2007 tom snyder legendary american television personality passed away at the age of 71 i was a huge tom snyder fan i love tom snyder i used to watch him after the tonight show with johnny carson he yeah. had a show on called the tomorrow show yeah. and i would sneak in the middle of the night and watch it while my parents were asleep because yeah. they wouldn't let me watch it because it was adult stuff. Yep. But you would see like the weirdos of the world yeah. on that show. He had show. fascinating guests. And he had guests on like people who before they were anybody, they'd be on the Tomorrow Show. I saw yeah. the Ramones on there. Yeah. I saw Kiss on there and bands that were just coming up. He wasn't afraid to talk to anybody no. about anything. And then he did the Late Late Show. He followed Letterman because what? Letterman was such a huge fan. Yeah. Letterman gave him the slot after yeah. his show on CBS. Uh, great interviewer. Real, real personality, uh, always would screw up details, yeah. <laughs> but had a great sense of humor about himself. Here's Tom Snyder talking about a, uh, a, a movie he had just seen starring, um, now I'm doing it, uh, Jack Nicholson, called As Good As It Gets. Yeah. Now, the movie on the airplane, which is where I started here, was the picture that he, he just made now with Helen Hunt, and he got the Best Actor Award uh, as hard as it gets, as good as it gets. Excuse me. <laughs> as, as, as good as it, come on, it slipped out. Come on. It was one of the greats. As hard as it gets. As hard as it gets. <laughs> Is that as hard as it gets? All right, at this point, we find a food related to someone who passed away on this day, and we run it past Eddie Pence to see if it's something that he would eat or perhaps stick up his ass or pull out of his ass. Today is no different. 
Today on this uh, on this day, July 29th, 1984, Fred Waring passed away. Fred Waring was an American musician and conductor, was a huge star of radio and television, had his own orchestra, passed away at the age of 84. He was sometimes referred to as America's singing master and the man who taught America how to sing because he would perform um, numbers on his TV and radio show and had a group of young singers. They would play hits of the day and he would interpret them and yeah. they would sing along with uh, everybody, right? So anyway, the reason he's food related is because back in the 1930s, there was an inventor named Frederick Osius and he went to Waring because he was a successful entertainer for financial backing for a new invention that he had patented. It was the electric blender. Hmm. And Fred Waring... This, he picked on the right guy because Fred Waring was always looking for a tool to help him with his special diet. His doctor had given him a diet for his uh, ulcers. He had painful ulcers. And the doctor recommended that he had to eat large amounts of raw vegetables. And Waring was getting tired of chopping them up. He wanted something that could puree vegetables for him. And this electric blender was the answer. Hmm. So he backed the guy's invention, renamed it the Miracle Mixer. And in the 1930s, it went nuts. They were selling for 30 bucks a pop. They sh they debuted it at the National Restaurant Show in Chicago, and it made him a lot of money. The Waring Blender is still a blender mm. that you can buy 30 today. 30 bucks in 1930, that's a well, bit of money. It was a, it wow. was a new invention. It was a luxury was, item. Imagine stick, plugging something in and flipping a switch, <laughs> and it could chop your food for right. you. No yeah. one had ever seen anything like Craziness. that before. So regarding his diet, Eddie Pence... Mm -hmm. Uh, this is what he used to have to eat every day. And I wondered if it was something perhaps you would eat. And remember, mm. it's in a blender. Okay. You're blending it up, so yeah. you don't have to chew it or anything. Right. That's good. But you do need to swallow down this uh, three-element concoction each and every day. Cabbage, carrots, and celery blended into a puree, almost like a uh, paste or a uh, or a, a jelly mm -hmm. once it was well blended. And then you just get it with a, a bowl and a spoon, and that would keep the ulcers at bay. Eddie Pence, a little cabbage, carrot, and celery. The three C's, as I like to call them. Is that something Eddie Pence would like to eat? Well, let's find out by pulling the handle of the patented Eddie Pence jackpot slot machine. <laughs> Everybody listening is like, really? You, you have to pull the handle to find out if Eddie's going to eat that? <laughs> Let's, again, I have to. It's the law. I have no choice. Oh. If it comes up jackpot, I mean, sure, Eddie would get big mound spoonfuls of cabbage, mm. carrot, and celery down his gullet. Oh. However, if, uh, if the reels are mismatched, then it's just uh, just sadness. <laughs> Is it sadness? It's just a, just a mute telling people he can't speak. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out by pulling the handle, shall we? <laughs> One bowl, two bowls. Oh, what a oh, come shocking on. surprise. Who the fuck would drink that? Cabbage, carrot, and celery. That doesn't sound good to you. If No. If you turn that into a smoothie, if you could add some juice to Oof. that, I think that would be pretty tasty. No. I like carrot juice. I like celery juice. Oh, I hate celery juice. Really? I hate celery juice. Carrot juice I can tolerate. Celery juice. Well, oh, come on. I hate celery juice. It's nice. No, it's not. It's like... It's, uh. <laughs> I think I did one of those cold juice press diets yeah, one time, uh -huh. and uh, you know celery's in all of it, and everything has that taste of celery juice. It's so good, oh, it's refreshing. I no. find it like uh, I got violently ill. I find it like um, wheatgrass juice, oh, kind of. God. It's 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 uh, it's, no. a, it's a refreshing sort of tangy thing. No, going it, no, on. it's not. It's awful. It's right. not, we're not even roaching let cabbage. Write, let me write this down. Stop <laughs> munching Monday. No. I will throw up. Cabbage, carrot, celery, 
I think you maybe haven't had the right combination. I think I have. Cabbage, carrot, and celery. Oh. Oh. The, also the name of my old law firm. <laughs> Cabbage, carrot, and celery. Cabbage, carrot, and celery. How can I direct your call? <laughs> Let's do it on Monday Monday. Let's blend up oh, some cabbage, some awful. carrots, and celery. Okay. We'll puree it into a nice little uh, cup. We'll chill it. <laughs> It'll be like a little... Uh, you going to put anything in there to make it thick? Or are you gonna make I don't it, think you have to. You don't want to thicken it up with, with some ice? With the cabbage and the carrot and the celery, I think. <sighs> if we just make that into a puree and then chill it, it'll be like almost like a gazpacho oh. without the oh. tomatoes. It'll be like stringy. No, that's why you blend it. Oh, so it doesn't doesn't get stringy. It's going to be terrible. I have an excellent blender, too. I don't believe it's a wearing blender, no, but it's certainly... But it's on your counter. It so is. That's a victory. It's ready to use. All right. We got a Monday. We got a Monday. Oh. This is going to be fun. One. I like the chocolate so much yeah, better. Well, we'll get to it. Oh, we're going to be doing this for a long time, oh, Eddie. There's God. plenty of Mondays yet to oh. come. And that was today's Hello, Death. Hello, Death. You're dead now, so shut up. Not to mention, yeah. of all the things I make you eat, this is like the best thing for you. All that good stuff. It's fiber and it's... I'm not it's, talking about the nu- nutritional value gonna be, You're going to be so healthy after we eat some of that. is gross. It really is. It really is. And this isn't juice. You're going to get the whole pulpy mm. sort of... Uh, pulp, the cabbage pulp. <laughs> you'll get fiber. Uh, you're no. going to get some fiber in you. God, it's going to be awful. <laughs> it's be great. It's gonna be like brown colored. It won't be. What the orange plus the cabbage is gonna brown, and then you're gonna celery has no color. It's green. It doesn't. It's gonna be. It's basically water. It's solid water. When you look at a stalk of celery, does it have a color? It's greenish. <laughs> it's some. It's a little white. It's it's shades of green, but it's, it's basically a light green. it's a negative calorie. That's a light green. It takes more calories to d- digest it than it has in it. Sounds you keep selling it. You keep uh, selling it to me. No, it's worth. Sounds like a great it's, idea. It's a truly worthless thing. Think how healthy we're going to be after we have some of the triple C. Ugh. All right, let's take a look now at the entertainment news in a segment I call the Showbiz Beat. Well, this was unexpected. Considering they were drawing up uh, battle plans a couple months ago, Universal Studios and AMC Theaters have come to an historic agreement. Oh, good. You know, uh, AMC said we're no longer going to show any Universal films. Well, it's because Universal got all mouthy after they had that video. Uh, well, the they did Trolls yeah. World Tour, and they were like, holy crap, look at the money we right. made on this sucker. We may not need screens anymore. Yeah, and AMC was like, well, then you won't well, get our screen. Yeah, screens. well, then we'll never show your movies. And they said, oh, yeah, well, we're not going to put our movies in your theaters. <laughs> And they held their breath till they turned blue and they ate some worms. Yep. <laughs> well, they have come to an agreement. And I wonder how they ironed this out. Hmm, let me tell you about the agreement and then we'll try to figure it out. Okay. Universal Studios and AMC Theaters have put aside their bitter feud and signed a multi-year agreement that allows the studio mm-hmm. to premiere their films on premium video on demand within three weeks of their theatrical debuts. Really? So when it goes into theaters at AMC... Three weeks later, it can go into your home on premium video on demand. That's the $20 a pop one. Okay. They can't undersell it for right. six like bucks, bucks or something. Or it's got to be the $20 tier, but they're get, they give them a window of three weeks before they Does go Does Universal really want to do that? Well, here's the question. And I and I tell you the reason they, they get made this agreement is because now they're cutting AMC in on the... Uh, on the video oh, on demand. Oh, are they? Yeah, they're, okay. they're throwing them some money for those ticket sales as well. Okay. So AMC's like, well, if we're going to get a piece of the pie, then I guess we're going to let them do it. Right. But they're saying that uh, Universal has a right, three weeks is the earliest they can do it. 
but they can hold off too. Right. So if they put a Jurassic film, for yeah, example, eight weeks on the top of the, they let it box run office. in the uh, on the big screen for as long as they like, and then they have the option after three weeks to put it in at any time. So this will probably this little clause will be used more for mid-sized comedies and children's films, films that don't live very long in the theater, like yeah. Trolls, and maybe you get one or two good weekends out yeah. of, and then they have the the opportunity to make some big. Video on demand home money as you well, have, and AMC gets a little taste, so they don't they don't cry so. Do you loud. know the length of time between a, a theatrical release and then when it can eventually get on video on demand anyway? Like what what eventually that time frame was? Um, bu- bu- bum, bum. and it's just been shortened down to three weeks. It does not say here because it's always it's always been like six months or something like that. Or you know, I think that's still that number remains the same for the three to six dollar range, the, okay. l- the lower on demand. But for the fees. expensive twenty dollars a that's, pop, that's that's three months. Gotcha. So they can't they can't put it on the lower on demand fee range of of three to six dollars until three months after okay. a film has debuted in the cinema. So, so they're, they're just bumping it up. That's the time. Three table. weeks, but jacking the price up. Yeah, but it has to be that high end twenty dollar one, right. which I paid for Trolls when it came out because my kid wanted to see. Well, it, that's so. going to save parents a lot of money when they can do that at home, so they don't have to buy the popcorn and all that stuff. Babysitter. Well, you, you actually wouldn't get a babysitter if you're taking your kids to the yeah. movie, but you're right. Parking and uh, yeah, you'll save money. popcorn and stuff like that. So there, so it all's good. Everybody's happy and the movies, <laughs> movie business will survive one way or the other. Maybe. I guess. This was cool. We saw a little side of uh, Benedict Cumberbatch we hadn't seen before. You see the video that got dropped? I did see that. Scott Derrickson, director of the Doctor Strange film posted a little piece of video that he had never put up there before. It is Benedict Cumberbatch shooting on the streets in Manhattan, and Scott Derrickson says to him, go into that comic book store dressed as Doctor <laughs> Strange, their heads will explode. And I had seen the, we had seen this footage a couple years ago, but it was the um, security camera footage from the comic book store yeah. that the people who own the comic book store released. But yeah. this time you get to hear it with the audio and everything and people's was screaming, cool. and it was very cool. Here's a little audio of uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange walking into a comic book store. Hey, how you doing? I'm all right. How are you? It's nice to see you. I absolutely love it to come off the shelf and say hello. Thank you. I get so bored being up there on the shelf. This is great. I got bored being up there on the shelf, so I thought I'd hop off. But he kept his accent. Yeah, he kept his American accent the whole time. There's that one guy with the comic book, like, look at the comic book and looking at him of course, yesterday the Emmy nominees were also released. A complete list of all the um, primetime Emmy nominations. Wow, some real surprises. Some uh, newly successful shows like Watchmen. Yep. Most nominated series was HBO's Watchmen That's with 26 nominations You've gotta in watch all. That. You have to watch that. Yeah, I got to get around it's to so that. Good. It's another thing I got to watch. Speaking of things I got to watch, Mando. Yeah, you do. Mando got 15 nominations. Including Best Drama. And one for Goofiest Nickname. <laughs> Also, the new Emmy this year. We'll take that for sure. I was happy to see Shit's Creek break the record for most Emmy nominations given to a comedy series in its final season. I know it's a very specific category, yeah. but still, all those guys deserve all the awards. Such a great show. So here, let's run through them real quick. Here are the major categories. Outstanding lead actor in a comedy series, Anthony Anderson for Blackish, Don Cheadle for Black Monday, Ted Danson for The Good Place. I love that show. Michael Douglas for The Kaminsky Method. Watch that. It was so good. Is it? I was surprised how much I liked that. Eugene Levy for Schitt's Creek. Of course, that's my favorite. And uh, Rami Youssef for Rami. Uh, outstanding lead actress in a comedy series, Christina Applegate for Dead to Me. 
Rachel Brosnahan for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I know everyone keeps telling me I got to watch that. I just can't do it. I don't know why. Something about her really bugs me. Watch Watchmen. All right. That's the one to watch. Linda Cardinelli for Dead to Me. Catherine O'Hara for Schitt's Creek. Issa Rae for Insecure. And Tracy Ellis Ross for Blackish. Outstanding comedy series. Look at this lineup. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Dead to Me. SNL. SNL shouldn't be in there. I think it's just, it's every year, it's right? It's not a comedy series. It's a variety show. But Take it year. out of that category. Uh, Insecure, Kaminsky Method, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Schitt's Creek, and What We Do in the Shadows. That's another great one. Outstanding lead actor in a drama series, Jason Bateman for Ozark, Sterling K. Brown, Steve Carell for The Morning Show, Brian Cox for Succession, Billy Porter for Pose, and Jeremy Strong for Succession. Outstanding lead actress in a drama series, Jennifer Aniston for The Morning Show, Olivia Coleman for The Crown. Did you see that season of The Crown I where she not. played uh, Elizabeth? I Boy, she's not. great. Jodie Comer for Killing Eve, Laura Linney for Ozark, Sandra O oh for Killing Eve, and Zendaya for Euphoria. Outstanding drama series, Better Call Saul, The Crown, The Handmaid's Tale, Killing Eve, The Mandalorian, yes. Ozark, Stranger Things, and Succession. I hope you're happy with the nomination. <laughs> you ain't getting it's a great show. Best animated program, Big Mouth, Bob's Burgers, BoJack, Horseman, Rick and Morty, and The Simpsons. Once again, a big fuck you to Family Guy. The Emmys just hates Family Guy. Why? Is there something? That, is there a beef there? I can't. I, no one knows. That's crazy. No one knows. And I thought this was a little piece of trivia that was interesting. You know, they had a documentary about the Apollo 11 mission, mm -hmm. the historic 1969 mission to land on the moon. And they released the documentary this year, and they used footage that was shot by the astronauts on that mission. Right. And so Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins, aged 90 and 98 respectively, have earned Emmy nominations in cinematography for the footage <laughs> they shot while in space during that mission. That's awesome. So they both got nominated for Best Cinematographer for uh, an Emmy for the stuff that they shot while they were in space. I love space. that. That's, That's awesome. Pretty cool. All right, let's take a look at today's celebrity birthdays. All these stars born on July 29th. Musician Danger Mouse is 43 years old today. Here he is working with Run the Jewels. Hey, that's hey, why I'm out of hey, here, baby. Before these pops will be down in the ground, baby. I'm running rest and I'm out of this town, baby. Hey, you want your money back? Chase me. That's from the uh, Baby Driver soundtrack. Oh, is it? Yeah, I love that. Robert Fuller from Emergency is 87 years old today. Actor David Warner from Titanic. I remember him as the uh, Master Control Program from Tron. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 79 today. TV personality Tim Gunn from Project Runway is 67. Make it work. Make it work. Actor Roz Kelly from Happy Days. She was Pinky Tuscadero. Okay. Or was she leather? I don't think she was Leather Tuscadero. Leather Tuscadero. Pinky? I think she was Pinky, Pinky Tuscadero. <laughs> Pinky Leather Tuscadero? No, Leather was her cousin or her sister, and that was played <laughs> by that singer. Oh, come on. Mm -mm. You don't no, know. You don't, don't know. know. I'm not even bothering Why? asking you. Oh, jeez. God damn it. You're gonna, you did this to yourself. I did this to myself. She was... Uh, please hold remain on the line. A representative will assist you shortly. And I'm back. Susie Quattro played Leather Tuscadero. Okay. So Roz was pinky. <laughs> Documentary filmmaker Ken Burns is 67. Singer Wanya Morris of Boys Two Men is 47. It's so hard to say goodbye to 
Singer Patty Scalfa of Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band is 67. I wonder how she got that gig in that band. I don't know. Alexandra Paul of Baywatch is 57. Dean Hagland of the X-Files is 55. Keyboardist Neil Doughty of REO Speedwagon is 74. Actor Tim Odmanson of Psych is 51. Stephen Dorff, the actor, is 47. Actor Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Of Star Trek The Next Generation and Stand By Me is 48. Will, of course, on Star Trek played uh, Wesley Crusher. Yes. The young ensign on that uh, on that Enterprise. Shut up, Wesley. Yeah. It's my favorite scene in that show ever. Actor Josh Radner of How I Met Your Mother is 46. Allison Mack from Smallville and also that crazy sex cult. Oh, yeah. She's 38 years old today. She sucks. And singer-bassist Getty Lee of Rush is 67. Begin the day with a friendly voice, a companion unobtrusive. Plays that song that's so elusive and the magic music makes your morning mood. And that's it for today's Celebrity Birthdays. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the showbiz beat. But we're not done with entertainment news just yet. Oh, no. It's time for our pal Steve Ashton to bring us the UK update. Oh, Ralph, you make Eric Banner look like Eric Trump. (laughs) First of all, may I say, that apple cake looked amazing on Monday. Thank you. It turned out pretty well. And I love anything with the word cake after it. Well, actually, except urinal. (laughs) Urinal cake, not so much. But it looked spectacular. And Edwin actively enjoyed it. He ate the whole piece. Must be a first. Anyway, look, single life, Ralph, has its benefits. Right now, you're doing new stuff. Yes, I'm I'm expanding my window of comfort. You know what? Maybe you could enter that big baking show thing that they have on TV. <laughs> You've always been a master baker in my eyes, Ralph. How dare you, sir? And, and the last time you were a master baker in my eyes, I contracted conjunctivitis. <laughs> uh, anyway, Olive Oil Tribute Act, Victoria Beckham's in the news. <laughs> Victoria Beckham took time out of a holiday in Italy to share an important message with her fans. That message was girl power. Now, she shared a photograph of her daughter Harper's arm adorned with bracelets, one that read girl power, which is a clear nod, obviously, to her her girl band days, and the other two read believe and bless. But that's not all. Now, taking to Instagram again on Friday last week, uh, she brought an important cause to the attention of her followers when she promoted the Crafts Council. Hmm which is an offshoot from the band The Style Council from the 1980s. (laughs) Anyway, no, it's not. But alongside a photo of pens, colourful paint and white paper with a heart drawn on it, the mother of four wrote, I love this idea from at Crafts Council. The hashtag Let's Craft Appeal is raising money to support families in need over the summer holidays by sending them lovely individual art packs. Now, Crafts Council is an organisation that supports contemporary craft in the UK and beyond, and its latest initiative has inspired Instagram users to share their own work on social media. Now, May I take a second just to highlight that there are over 14 million people living in poverty in the UK, including over 4 million children, and that number is rising for sure. Uh, But sure, no, send some fucking Sharpies (laughs) and pipe cleaners. After all, 
If they can't get to the food bank that provides one meal per day for a family of five, they can always eat some fucking Elmer's glue. <laughs> These fucking people make me sick. Anyway, from one clueless oxygen thief to another, Simon Cowell's in the news. <laughs> What's up with your buddy, Simon? Now, he's reportedly putting his L.A. mansion on the market amid the ongoing economic uncertainty only days after walking away from his record label, Psycho. Now, he's expected to cash in now before the economic slump that's expected later this year. <laughs> More good news. <laughs> um, now, it's estimated the estate that he has owned for 16 years will fetch around £18 million, which is right in the price bracket for old Meghan and Harry, isn't it? That's true. Now, apparently at the time of purchase, Simon is thought to have paid £3.2 million, later splashing the cash on renovations such as uh, jacuzzi, two-way mirrors, and a dungeon. <laughs> uh, the, the mansion, which has often been spotted on the X Factor TV show, includes a pool, a gym, a spa, cinema, a massage room. I bet it does. Oh. Now, Simon told pals about his plans to sell uh, due to now wanting a quieter life away from the Hollywood spotlight. And it seems his party lifestyle is now a thing of the past, with the talent show Scout also wanting to leave behind many showbiz memories from his wilder days. You know, memories like um, Alfonso, Chad, Andrew, Shane, Miguel, Billy, Thomas, Peter, Alexis, Brian, Craig. And that was just in the first two months. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I've got to go now, Ralph. I've been inspired by, by Victoria Beckham to make some homemade jewellery in, in dedication to one of my favourite artists. See, <laughs> see if you can guess who it is. I'm threading the last letter letter bead now. Okay, it's all done. Oh, here we go. I'll read what was written on it. Great. Fuck off! <laughs> Lovely. Right, I'm off to make a matching one for my daughter, Daisy. I'll see you later. And because it's Wednesday, it's time for us to take a look at a legendary one-hit wonder. It's a one-hit wonder! One-hit wonders. It's a very common tale. As I mentioned, today's one-hit wonder has a lot of similarities to the story of the wonders from That Thing You Do. This band started off as the Rondells in the early 60s. Uh, guitarist and lead singers, along with a bass player and a drummer, while all studying together at a college in Easton, Pennsylvania, not far from Erie, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. where the wonders were from. They were a frat rock band just playing around, having a good time. And then they were discovered by a gentleman named Brian Epstein. I don't know if you're familiar with that name or not, but he also happened to be the manager of a little band called The Beatles. It hurt. So he took over as their manager, changed their name. And in fact, it was John Lennon who gave them the interesting spelling for their name. In their brand new career, Tony called in for their one hit wonder. Hey, Ralph. Yoho, Eddie. This is Tony from Milwaukee. Um, I know you guys have been talking about sad songs and now happy songs. And Monday you were talking about that thing you do and how the song is actually sad, but it makes you so happy when you hear it. And I think I've got the perfect fit for this week's One Hit Wonder Wednesday. Um, it's an oldie from the 60s, and it is the happiest, cheeriest sounding breakup song ever. It's Red Rubber Ball by The Circle. It sounds really very much like the early Beatles. And just it always, it's a little song. Every time I hear it, it makes me happy. Oh, and Ralph, uh, as a teaser to get you to use this one, I'll tell you that in a couple of the a couple of the guys in the band went on to have success as commercial jingle writers, and one of them wrote the famous jingle for one of your favorite products. But I'll let you look that up for yourself. Anyway, guys, take it easy. LMB. Thank you, Tony. He's not wrong. Yeah. These guys started working uh, in the '60s, and they were as famous for who they were opening for as who as uh, for their own music because brian epstein was their manager they opened for the beatles on 14 different dates during the beatles u.s tour in the 1966 year 
And they were also opening for Simon and Garfunkel all over the place. And it was from Simon, Paul Simon, that they got this smash hit song, Red Rubber Ball. It was something that Paul Simon had written for him to record with a band called The Seekers in England. But instead, he gave it to The Circle. By the way, their name is spelled, if you're looking to uh, look it up, C-Y-R-K-L-E. John Lennon thought it would be funny if they spelled it wrong, like the Beatles spelled right. Beatles wrong. So Circle is spelled C-Y-R-K-L-E. Uh, Paul Simon gave them this song, and it became a number two hit in America. It was a hit all over the world, actually. The only song that kept them away from number one at the top of the charts in 1966 was the Beatles with Paperback Writer. So Brian Epstein had to be pretty happy. Good year for him. Had the one and two at the top of the charts. Here is Circle with Red Rubber Ball. I should have known you did me farewell There's a lesson to be learned from this And I learned it very well Now I know you're not the only starfish in the sea If I never hear your name again It's all the same to me And I think it's gonna be alright Paul Simon said if he had known that single was going to sell a million copies, he never would have given it away. In fact, <laughs> about a year later, Simon and Garfunkel actually sang this song in concert, and that's available on recording as well. Here's a little bit of Simon and Garfunkel singing Red Rubber Ball. So they had the number two single in America in 1966, and by 1967, it was all over. The band broke up. That's nuts. A couple other singles and another album, and then it was all over for them. So where are they now? Drummer Marty Freed left the music business and went to law school, and now he works as a bankruptcy attorney in suburban Detroit. The bass player Earl Pickens is a surgeon in Gainesville, Florida. Wow. And as Tony mentioned, the uh, two singer-guitarists for the band, Tom Dawes and Don Daneman, became professional jingle writers in the advertising world. Daneman wrote this song for 7-Up when they were trying to be cool in the late 1960s, early 1970s. It's called 7-Up, the Uncola. <laughs> How groovy is that? So groovy. So groovy. And Tom Dawes wrote, as Tony mentioned, one of the most famous advertising jingles in history for one of my favorite products ever. I can't tell you how much of this product I have ingested over the years. Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Those speedy bubbles relieve your upset stomach and headache fast. For acid indigestion alone, Alka-Seltzer Gold. Oh, what a relief it is. What a relief. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Well, they came up with plop, plop, he fizz. He came up with plop, plop, wow. fizz, fizz. God, I love Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> <laughs> saved my life on so many occasions. 
You just feel better if you take an apple seltzer before bed. You just do. You feel better the next morning. Do, only with your drinking or just anytime? Sometimes just, just, sometimes you just, just for the hell of it. Sometimes I just want like a salty soda before bed and I'll just give myself the, the pleasure of an alka seltzer. Wow. So good and so good for you. Then that's it for today's One Hit Wonder. It's the One Hit Wonder. One Hit Wonder. One Hit Wonders. It's a very common tale. Come back and join us tomorrow. We're going to do this all again. It is Thursday. That means we're going to take a look at human sexuality by flinging open the doors of that esteemed Institute of Learning, Ralph Sex University. Also, more of your phone calls, more entertainment news, more fun. But it's not quite as fun without you guys. So what I need you to do is take care of yourselves. Make sure you stay the fuck at home. Wash your hands real good. Two happy birthdays. And always stay good in the hood. And please never forget. Stay swell. Give them hell, buddy. That's it for today. Until tomorrow, love you. Mean it. Bye. <laughs>